Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Well, you have your Bibles. We've been in the same place all day, and I just want to get us, uh, take us to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, When I first uh, started counseling, uh, it was 2005, I uh, really, in the providence of God, was led to uh, take on an internship at the International Center for Biblical Counseling on the north side of Indianapolis. And at that time in my life, I was just uh, very restless about doing such a thing. I was all about sharing the gospel with people, seeing lost people come to Christ, but I wanted nothing to do with solving problems. And uh, I was right at a, an important time in my life, an important crossroads, seeking the Lord's direction for the next step. And actually, it was my mother God used to just uh, point me to the International Center for Biblical Counseling. And at that time, just to uh, uh, do a vol- some volunteer work for that ministry over the summer. And uh, I really resi- resisted that idea just because I did not see myself going that direction in the course of life. But uh, when God was closing other doors, I finally realized this must be the door he has open for me. I picked up the phone, contacted the director. And uh, that phone call turned into nearly three years of an internship there that God used in my life first to help me. And uh, it's interesting, as we're coming alongside the lives of other people, encouraging them in their journey forward with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I've often thought to myself, as I often hear very sad stories of trauma, sad stories of loss, sad stories of suffering, I've often thought to myself, well, somehow the objective to this session has to be somehow making the life of this person better tomorrow. And if somehow I could just be God for a day, can you imagine what we could accomplish in this particular scenario? Well, I'm so grateful God has not given me the, the wheel of life, so to speak, the, the reins of, uh, of life to play God for a day. That would be disastrous. But I've often come away from many counseling sessions coming to realize the fact that the best thing God ever allows in our life is something I would never put in my script, and that's suffering. And I want to just look at our passage today because like perhaps you have found in several different texts of Scripture, there are some things... Um, As we read particular verses, we love certain phrases, and we think, well, I wish I could change this verse and leave another phrase of that out. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, is exactly one of those verses because it opens up with this incredible reminder. And that reminder is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the next words are surprising to me. And the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Just a few years ago, uh, three years ago to be exact, I was just wrapping up the year 2018, taking some time in Phoenix, Arizona, just to seek the Lord. 
I was at a very important crossroads as, as God was just getting Precious Stones Biblical Counseling Ministries off the ground, and I was also working a job for a Christian businessman, a friend of mine that I'd known for several years. He had a steel fabrication shop. And during that uh, Christmas vacation that we had for that week, closing 2018, I was just uh, burdened about what the Lord wanted to do in the next coming year. God was giving momentum to our ministry, and I already had been asked to start off the year 2019 going down to Louisiana to preach to a group of missionaries. I was overwhelmed by the opportunity, and remarkably, almost ironically, I was asked to speak to them on the subject, post-traumatic stress. I remember talking to my brother on my way into work several days in that, those last days of 2018, saying, I feel so uh, inadequate to speak to such a subject. I deal with a lot of things in counseling, but post-traumatic stress is certainly not something that I'm always dealing with all the time. And I'm just burdened about having the right thing for these folks that God is bringing across our path. Well, 2018 ended. I was just getting ready to uh, make that trip down to Louisiana. I had one week of work back at the steel fabrication shop, and as the day of work was closing, just a half hour before I was to leave, uh, I had an unfortunate accident where uh, nearly 500 pounds of steel fell off of a shelf, industrial shelf, and uh, knocked me in instantaneously unconscious. I ended up being in the hospital for the next eight days, and uh, was in ICU, and ended up coming out of that, being able to spend the next two years in recovery. Had a broken leg, had broken vertebrae in my neck, and uh, found myself in a neck brace for the next three months, opening 2019. My pain level in both of my arms due to the spine injury was so serious that the pain level, just having a sheet on my arms, was, would have been a 12 on a scale of 1 to 10. I never experienced so much pain in all my life, and I remember finding myself laying flat on my back there in bed, just overwhelmed at the fact that here it seemed like God had just stolen one of the greatest opportunities in my life to that point for Precious Stones Biblical Counseling Ministries, though I felt incredibly inadequate. And at the same time, now realizing that my schedule had just been cleared clean for the next several months. And God used that window of time, opening 2019, to teach me some truths that I'm going to share with you tonight. Because as Paul echoes for us this incredible passion in his life, Oh, that I may know him. And the fellowship of his suffering includes that verse in this prayer by saying, And that I may know the fellowship of your suffering be made conformable unto your death. I just want to quickly say that the accident I just testified to, to you just a few minutes ago certainly pales into insignificance to the kind of suffering the Apostle Paul uh, navigated, especially for the cause specifically of the gospel. But the fact is, you and I, as we're called to a life, a race of faith, God often gifts us, yes, gifts us with suffering along the way that in his providence he determines for us. 
We never have to ask the Lord for suffering. We can leave that to his judgment and providence. We serve a loving Heavenly Father whose thoughts toward us are precious. But do you realize that the enemy is on one mission every one of our lives, and that is to bring us to the threshold that we will curse God and die. And the Spirit of God is on the same mission to use the same uh, circumstances in our lives to lead us to a different door. And that door is to discover a relationship with Jesus that could never be known outside the context of suffering. I want to just to title tonight's message, The Gift of Suffering. And uh, Corbin, I just wonder if you might be able to help us with uh, the PowerPoint here tonight. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word. And Father, I am thrilled as we begin a brand new year, the reality and the possibility of knowing Christ. Father, what an obligation, what an opportunity to know Christ. Lord, to not just know you uh, because we've been saved and to know you just as a fact of having our eternal address changed from hell to heaven, but to know you in such a relational, such a devotional, such an experiential way, our lives are never the same. Thank you, Father, that you've given us a life that's dedicated to the mission of living the reality of your resurrection power. Thank you that you have not left us here to grovel through our existence, anticipating a life when we are free from the presence of sin. No, you've given us your resurrection power to live life abundantly now. And Lord, tonight I just pray that you would now turn our attention to helping us to understand your awesome perspective that one of the richest gifts you ever give us is the gift of suffering. In your precious name, because you care for everyone in this room, amen. Amen. You have your Bibles there in Philippians chapter 3, and I just want to capture for us just some thoughts that I hope can just be an encouragement uh, to us tonight. I want to spend most of this evening just walking through just why Paul would have prayed this kind of prayer. As we walk through the book of Acts and consider some things about this incredible life, it's no coincidence that he prayed this kind of prayer, and beyond praying such a prayer, actually exhorts the Philippian church to view suffering as one of their greatest gifts. First Peter uh, reminds us of these words, wherein ye greatly rejoice. This, in, this is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, notice the next words, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an incredible testimony to realize that to the trials and the gifts God gifts us with in the way of suffering is actually something more precious than gold. 
most of us perhaps have a um, ha- have special stones that sit in rings. Okay, they could be a diamond, they could be a ruby, they could be a sapphire. All of those are incredibly valuable. But one thing I find here is just the incredible value of gold. Any of those precious metals or any of those precious stones come with great value because of the heat with which they're heated and also with the the degree to which they're free of dross. And there's something Peter says is even more valuable than the purest gold. The trying of your faith. I would have never put the word precious and trial in the same sentence. Certainly not in a positive context. And as we open to First Peter or Philippians chapter three, verse ten, again I find Paul echoing this same reality. Oh Lord, that I would know you and the fellowship of your suffering. Notice he's not praying, Lord, would you help me to know more suffering in my life? But he's asking, Lord, you're in your providence ordaining the suffering in my life. I can leave that to your providence, your judgment. I'm looking to know you. I'm looking to experience you in a way I could never experience you any other way. These words from 1 Peter are also echoed later in 1 Peter chapter 4. Have you ever felt when suffering comes into your life, whatever that happens to look like, that we somehow think that God's picking on us or that somehow we've gotten on God's bad side or what in the world did I do to deserve this? That was definitely a screaming question in my mind as I laid there in bed for three months initially, uh, just uh, trying to recover from uh, two surgeries and being able to navigate an incredible amount of pain. The biggest question turning over in my mind was, why, Lord, did you allow this to happen? Initially, I would have nightmares of of what had happened, though consciously I couldn't exactly remember Uh, the accident itself, but having heard what had happened, I would think about that, and it would um, arrest me in the night, and I would think to myself, Lord, why in the world did you let that happen? I didn't feel like I was angry at God at all, but it was a question I felt needed an answer. This verse was very helpful. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though somehow some strange thing happened to you. I couldn't help but think as this service opened this evening, the prayer requests that were mentioned, both by Pastor, our brother Schneider here, and others in the course of this service, that helped me to realize several in this room are navigating challenging circumstances. Even the last few weeks, for some of you, have been very challenging circumstances. And sometimes, I know this was true in my own um, occasion, that those who are caregivers for those who are facing suffering in some ways carry an incredible weight of that suffering that looks very different and somehow sometimes more serious because of the responsibility that is carried under those circumstances. And I want to just consider here tonight that suffering is one of the richest gifts God favors your life with. 
There are several furnaces, and I just want to show you this diagram, testing grounds, that God often uses in our lives. Every one of our lives have these aspects about them. Finances, our job, health, marriage, family, our own reputation, and even ministry itself. And in all of these arenas, God in his providence sometimes allows us to, of us to experience furnaces in different arenas of our life. And as I look at a circle like this, I think about Job. Several of these arenas of his life, God in his providence allowed the enemy to test. But while the enemy was using that testing to lead Job to the threshold to curse God and die, God was using the same circumstances to strengthen Job's faith in a way that he had never known before. We can leave it to God's judgment how he chooses to try our faith. I just want to encourage us with the fact that however God chooses to gift your life with suffering, it's the greatest gift you can ever experience because it's one of the greatest doorways to knowing Christ. We are here the second day of 2022. My accident three years ago happened January 9, 2022, uh, 2019. And as I come to a new year, I'm not at all afraid of what God chooses to bring into my life because I can trust Him. He shepherds us through green, beautiful pastures. But the same hand that guides us through shady green pastures is the same hand that guides us through valleys that sometimes looks like death itself. And on both sides of the spectrum, the same shepherd leads us. And He doesn't just lead us to these places. He leads us through these places. And we come out the other side discovering that the only thing that can rob me of life's greatest gift is my bitterness. God wants to bless your life in a tremendous way, and it's valuable to anticipate some of the ways uh, God wants to work. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul gave these valuable words for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are just temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Praise the Lord for the fact that while we can't always understand how the pieces are fitting together in our lives today, because we don't have God's perspective, we can trust the fact that every circumstance that God's allowing in the way of suffering is working for us. It's building a picture. It's developing for us a prize that has eternal value to it. The trial of our faith, I would define this way. Any circumstance in your life that tests your love God. Sometimes when we think about suffering, the immediate thing that jumps to our mind has to do with something physical. But I quickly discovered in the course of my recovery 
that physical pain far, uh, is far inferior to a lot of emotional pain that people navigate. It's far inferior to relational pain that people navigate. With physical pain, sometimes there can be some remedy. Sometimes with some physical pain, there can be some ways to soften that. With relational things, there are often factors that are outside of our control. Sometimes with emotional pain, there are losses that just can't be rewritten. And so being able to step forward with confidence in such a way that our faith in God is not wounded, but in fact is strengthened forward is absolutely critical. The trial of your faith is more precious than gold. There are several furnaces that try our faith. And I actually want to, for this message, capture some of the furnaces that God used in the life of the Apostle Paul, such that as he was navigating those furnaces, he was coming to the Philippian church and saying, Oh, that I may know Christ and that I may know the power of his resurrection, but there's something I want to know more. My life will never evade suffering this side of heaven. But I want every one of those circumstances, every one of those testing grounds, to be doorways to knowing Christ. Fellowship with his suffering like I could have never known any other way. First, we want to consider is actually the uh, furnace of suffering and loss mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We won't read all of these texts, but I do want to read this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 introduces us to uh, the, the Apostle Paul's list of credentials in the realm of suffering. And uh, incidentally, it is kind of a counterpart to the list of credentials he lists in uh, Philippians chapter 3 earlier in the passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's helping to develop how God has used suffering as credentials in uh, his walk of faith. And he says this, thrice, in verse 25, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. Night and a day I've been in the deep, and journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside these things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I want to first consider the fact that one of the arenas of suffering that Paul, the Apostle Paul navigated was the kind of suffering that looked like tragedy and loss. Shipwreck, stonings, beatings, everything that looked like torture for the cause of Christ. Now, the fact is, when I read that particular list, I don't personally identify with most of those things. We do have brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world that when they would read a list like that, that's exactly their story. 
And perhaps here in America, we're not a far cry away from some of that list looking like our story. But in the providence of God, at this point, God's given us incredible freedom. May we never forget to remember our brothers and sisters who do live in bonds. This was definitely a testing ground for the Apostle Paul, but the second one that he mentions in the text we just read is also the care of all the churches. Have you ever had the privilege to lead someone to Christ? What an awesome day to be a part of in leading someone to saving knowledge of Christ. There's almost a sense of ownership as, you, we, as you've been a part of the, can I say, the spiritual birthing process of this life into the family of God. And as you have a burden for being able to see them go from salvation to stepping forward with Jesus, there's an incredible burden that you carry especially for them, almost like a son or a daughter in the faith. You feel a burden for the direction they go. You, as they're navigating life choices and life decisions, there's an incredible ownership of being able to provide counsel and direction. When life is hard and they're struggling to navigate different challenges, when it's someone we've personally led to Christ, there's a, there's a special care. There's a special, if I may say, a furnace, a testing of faith that God uses in that arena that comes with nurturing and discipling the lives of people. Perhaps no one in this room understands that concept more than a pastor. But as God uses you as well to touch the lives of other people, there is a huge sense of burden and responsibility. And Paul happens to add the care of the churches right in the same list of a lot of other things that God's using to test his faith. Perhaps you're this evening a parent with children that God's gifted you with. And if anyone bears an incredible burden for the tra trajectory of those little lives, parents do. What a burden. What an awesome opportunity. What a sacred trust. What an incredible stewardship. Perhaps you find yourself as a grandparent and you're already seeing the next generation, third generation, fourth generation coming up behind. And you're seeing the world they're growing up into. And there is definitely just a burden that God has gifted you with in, in the nature of a, a kind of suffering that looks like a discipleship burden. A burden that is much more internal, more than it is external. There's a sense of heartbreak when choices are made that may be against the will of God. And there's a sense of burden and, and prayerfulness as those individuals we're discipling and nurturing forward are now coming to new crossroads in the life where decisions are absolutely important that they make. There's definitely ministry burdens that can be a testing ground, and it certainly was for the Apostle Paul. Here's another one, another testing ground God used in the life of the Apostle Paul. That was providential delays. Acts chapter 16 gives us a little snapshot into the life of the Apostle Paul as he is on a missionary journey and anticipating doors God wants to open. He's coming to one city after another, and we have there in verses 6 through 10, doors that God kept keeps slamming shut in the face of Paul. 
He had been commissioned by his home church to go take the gospel, and as he's filled with faith, he's constantly running into closed doors. Have you ever encountered in your life providential delays? I've definitely encountered that, and I've discovered this to be one of the hardest furnaces to walk through. Oh, there's no physical pain involved, but there's something incredibly painful about waiting. Have you found that to be true? Isaiah chapter 41 reminds us, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. God's burden in our lives is not finding the shortest distance between two points. He's more about molding you, molding the man, molding the woman, in the process between those two points. Because he's after receiving what he wants out of our lives, not just helping us to get what we want. One of the most incredible testing grounds in the life of the Apostle Paul was unmistakably providential delays. Before this point in his life, you'll find in Acts chapter 9, when he came off the road uh, to Damascus and was saved and transformed, he was able to step into the pulpit and begin to preach with incredible articulation. In fact, others even recognized his gifts. But in the providence of God, according to Galatians chapter 2, God set this man aside for the next three years in Arabia. And can you imagine being filled with the word of God like a man who had trained under the feet of Gamaliel, now having faith and trust in Jesus and being able to come to the pulpit with incredible skill, and now finding himself in first century Roman Empire with incredible need. And for God to put his life, can I say, as it would appear in human terms, on hold for three years in preparation for what he was about to unfold. It's amazing that when God can get all of us, he doesn't need a lot of time to do incredible things. And so one of the gifts of suffering is recognizing this anticipated furnace God will use in every one of our lives providential delays. I'd like us also to just consider a story that's captured in Acts chapter 27, and I'm simply titling this, Faith Tried by Belligerent Sailors. Have you ever uh, been deeply impressed of a particular direction? There's no mistake about it. God has impressed this on you, and you reached out to someone Uh, Perhaps an authority in your life or someone you were reaching out to and you felt a strong compulsion to just appeal to them. Only for that person to turn a deaf ear to what you had to say. And in the process of time, you end up paying the consequences for their bad choices. That's a miserable place to find ourselves. In the context of counseling, I run into this all the time. Individuals who could already foresee down the road where this road is leading. Those following perhaps behind leadership are already seeing and anticipating where this road is headed. If we don't change course, disaster is around the corner. We reach out to the individual that God's placed in our life and just lovingly, kindly just share an appeal. 
to, to be able to change and alter course because we have the best interest, not just of ourselves, but really of all those under our care and under their care. Only for them, that individual, to think, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I know better. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. In the course of time, life unfolds, and sure enough, what was foreseen is now reality. That's exactly what we find in Acts chapter 27, and I just want to say this is again another incredible furnace God often uses in our lives. Paul is on ship along with some 276 prisoners. They're on their way to Rome. And uh, Paul is overwhelmed with the fact that conditions at sea are not very safe right now. They've made their trip partially to Rome and uh, had taken time uh, for a stop. And Paul felt strongly compelled that he should advise and appeal to the sailors, to appeal to the captain, let's just stay here a little bit longer Till the storm can pass us by and we can arrive safely. Oh, Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. We're the sailors, you're not. Just get on board, we're on our way. Well, sure enough, just like Paul warned them, they run into the uh, very intensity of the storm and the ship wrecks. Paul immediately comes to them as they're uh, throwing everything overboard trying to somehow save the ship in anticipation they're going to not just lose the ship, but they're going to lose their lives also. The captains are worried as well, and all the sailors, because they've got precious cargo, at least from the emperor's perspective, and that is prisoners that they can't just let go. And this responsibility sits on their shoulders. It's not just like they've got a cargo ship, they've got 276 lives. And they're not just anyone, they're people they're transporting for government purposes. Well, it's interesting that as Paul reaches out to them and they turn a deaf ear to what he has to say, God uses Paul to come back as now they are uh, seeing shipwreck right before them. And Paul comes to those men and said, you should have listened to what I said. But I'm letting you know that the God of heaven is going to save every life on this ship in spite of your decision. And remarkably, God does that. Every life on that ship was saved. No one drowned, though the ship was lost. I find so much encouragement in that particular story because it parallels the kinds of circumstances we navigate in the course of our lives. If you've ever been in a circumstance where an appeal was re rejected or somehow uh, turned down only for consequences to unfold, and now you find you, yourself paying the consequences of someone else's choice. Paul is having to swim for his own life, along with 275 other people. And while their lives are certainly spared, it doesn't diminish the reality that they all swim their way to shore, soaking wet in the cold. And I marvel at the fact that Paul recognized that his life was never at the mercy of belligerent sailors. And your life is never at the mercy of some human being.
our lives are always in the merciful hands of our great God. And God can certainly allow the consequences to fall out, but in a remarkable and providential way, reach his hand out and deliver you. He did that for the Apostle Paul, but I'm telling you, those kinds of circumstances don't look like stonings, and they don't look like beatings, and they don't look like all kinds of other things that were listed in that list we just looked at. But it's another very painful kind of furnace that God is on a mission to do good for you, to make your faith, yes, more precious than gold. Let's just consider this one as well. I mentioned this this morning, but sometimes our faith is tried by a thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul navigates an even more difficult furnace. And he comes to discover it's another arena God is on a mission to use in his life. Because God wants to make his faith more precious than gold. It's a thorn in the flesh, something he felt was a hindrance to the most effective ministry. The Bible does define the thorn this way as a messenger of Satan. As Satan used himself to buffet, to beat up Paul, somehow to make him feel inferior, somehow to make him feel like he was useless or couldn't achieve his full potential. And he would ask the Lord, Lord, if only you would take away. You don't know how it would open the door for my achieving fullest potential for you. I know for me, there have been many things in my life. I have said those same words, Lord, if you would only change this, I could be a better servant for you. But Jesus' response to the Apostle Paul is a response that is just as good for your life. My grace is sufficient for you. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity, Paul responds, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And a few words later, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. What an incredible reality as Paul came to realize that what seemed to be the biggest hindrance in his life was actually the most awesome gift. It didn't look like stonings, and it didn't look like beatings from the outside. It was something internally that the enemy was using to push him to the threshold to curse God and die. And God was on a mission to use the same set of circumstances to help Paul to discover the key to his strength made perfect in Paul's weakness. Ever been betrayed by a friend? Paul was. That again is another furnace that God in his providence allowed Paul to walk through. That friend's name was Demas. We find actually in one of the epistles, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, how this man who had been a co-partner with Paul in ministry ends up jumping ship, as it were, and deciding that the pleasures of this world are a whole lot better than what he had signed up for following Paul. 
And once a very devoted follower and encourager and fellow companion in ministry, this man Demas plays betrayer on him. And there is hardly anything more painful than someone you trust and someone who has promised their loyalty to turn a wall and to walk away. Especially at a point when we need their encouragement the most. In Paul's life, we find Demas walks away while Paul is in prison. If there was ever a time Paul needed Demas, it was when he's facing imprisonment. Having him there at services, wherever he would have been preaching, would have been an incredible asset. At a, at a low point of isolation, Having a real friend was absolutely necessary. Betrayal. Was one of those furnaces God allowed in the life of the Apostle Paul to fulfill this request? That he would know Christ. That he would know the power of his resurrection, and even more than that, that he would know the fellowship of his son. Jesus himself was betrayed by a close friend. Paul came to understand what it was to be a co-partner in the sufferings of Christ when Demas left him. Finally, 2 Timothy chapter 4, sometimes faith is tried by death itself. I'm so glad we can leave death in the hands of our Savior. For the Apostle Paul, it looked like a martyr's death. In anticipation of that day, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I fought a good fight, I finished the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of life. And as we look at Paul writing those words, penning those words, and now having the rest of history to unfold the rest of the story, we find that Nero uh, took his life prematurely for the cause of Christ. And there's a sense where Paul came to pay the ultimate price, to walk down the ultimate road of sacrifice, and to discover something so much more precious than gold, that is faith tried by fire. There are aspects of our relationship with God, the depth of that relationship with God that can only be known in the context of suffering. As we anticipate all that God wants to do in our lives, I have come to realize that I really do not have any control over my life. I was especially reminded about that three years ago. I should have been dead because of that accident and at best paralyzed the rest of my life. I do still navigate uh, nerve pain and those kinds of things, but it's incredible to see what God can do. I want to give you, just to wrap up this evening, a few things that God wants to do to make the suffering he gifts you with precious. I wouldn't put those two words in the same sentence, humanly speaking, at least in any kind of positive sense. But this has been helpful, and I just want to offer these thoughts to us. Why suffering 
is a divine gift. I'm quickly just going to walk through these. Number one, trials are a divine gift because they're an invitation to discover Christ's power. I already mentioned to you 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm just punctuating the point that it's in that context. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Number two, trials are such a divine gift because they're an opportunity to know God so much more intimately. I want to pull from the uh, story of Job. Job spends some 22 chapters asking the question, why? And he asks that question a hundred different ways. And when God finally speaks to him personally, God's answer to Job looks like 74 questions. Questions don't look like answers to me. But when God got done talking with Job in the form of 74 questions, Job's response was this. Before I heard thee by the hearing of mine ear, but today on this side of those trials, everything's different. Now mine eye sees you. What an incredible response when the answer he received from the Lord to why was a list of 74 questions that magnified the providence of God. There is a sense where every time you and I go to open our Bible for personal devotions, God wants to introduce himself to you. I'm so grateful for the initiative you all are taking just in reading through the Bible in a year, and I think there's so much benefit to that kind of process. It's so important to be part of the body life of the local church because God uses that as well to nurture our relationship with him. But there's now a whole nother classroom on a whole nother level that introduces you to relationship with Jesus that's now not academic. It's now not just theological. And it's a context, it's a classroom of suffering. Whereby... We no longer just know God by the hearing of the ear, what others have said or what we read, but now there's an experiential element to that. As well, we can say, now mine eye sees you. Third, trials or suffering. The divine gift, because it's our credentials for helping people. Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I was being rolled into my first surgery. I was in and out quite a bit, just consciously in and out of consciousness. But as I was being rolled into my first surgery, my mind was sharp and my sister was following along my gurney and she said this verse, she quoted this verse. And I just can say God has used the circumstances of that incident and those, that accident to make this verse so true in my life. It's amazing how much God uses suffering, whatever that looks like in our lives, to open the door to reach into the lives of others that need an introduction to Jesus. 
And sometimes the best person to help a hurting person is someone who's walked that road. Someone said years ago, sometimes the circumstances God allows in your life is not half as much for you. As it is for someone else, God wants to use you to help. Paul got that perspective here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It definitely helps us to realize that one of the, the divine purposes God allows suffering in our lives is to equip you and to prepare you for ministry. You could never have any other way except walking a road of, of suffering. Number four, suffering is a divine gift because it's a gateway to double blessing. I want to again refer back to Job. We find this principle all over the Bible. But it's interesting how God in his providence sometimes allows loss in a life. And always matches loss on the other side with double blessing. I would never anticipate that looking at the circumstances at face value. But if we will let God write the rest of the story in our lives, you'll live to discover the reality as long as bitterness does not hijack God's mission in your life, you'll live to discover the reality that the suffering God's gifted you with is actually a gateway to double blessing. It says this in Job, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And I would venture to say one of the most challenging aspects of Job's suffering was not all the financial loss, but it was navigating the torturous condemnation of biblical counselors, I put in quotes, trying to reach into his life, um, applying great counsel to the wrong situation, and somehow trying to navigate what's true. And God assigns Job with the responsibility that for his own deliverance, He's the one with the responsibility to pray for them. I would have thought, hey, the counselors are all wrong. And they've caused and exasperated Job's torment. It belongs to them to get right with God. And if anyone owes it to me to pray for my deliverance, it's all of these men who have made my misery that much more miserable. God assigns Job, in fact, with that. And as soon as Job prays for them, guess who gets the benefit? The Bible says Job did. Not only was he delivered from the captivity of the inner turmoil of his soul, but the Bible says God gave him twice as much as he had before. Remember when God took Elijah from Elisha? Elijah had no, longer, no sooner reached out to Elisha to take him to be um, his successor and really to train him in ministry. No sooner had that transaction happened and God takes Elijah away from him. And in the face of that loss, Elisha prays to God, Lord, would you please give me a double portion? Of his spirit. I'd hoped I could have had so much more time with him. Think of what I could have learned if I could have followed behind Elijah a little bit longer. 
the providence of God, God took him away, but as a compensation for that loss, God gave Elisha a double portion of Elijah's spirit. All over the Bible, I've just given you a couple examples, we find that suffering in our lives is always a gateway to double blessing. And the only thing that can hijack that principle is anger and bitterness. Let's not let the enemy have the last word. Let's let God finish writing the story of our lives. And one day we'll look back and see the pieces in order and we'll say, Wow, the trial of my faith was more precious than gold. Just two more. Trials are also the preparation for kingdom service. I like these words that Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says if we suffer, the idea is if we endure, we can leave it to God's judgment and what he allows in our lives. Our responsibility is to embrace the pain and to suffer well. And if we'll suffer well, it says we shall also reign with him. I often would read that verse and think, well, Lord, I guess that promise only belongs to martyrs. And unfortunately, perhaps, that might not be my lot. But fascinatingly enough, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, simply says that the credential for reigning with Christ in a kingdom on the other side of this life is anyone who suffers well. The Lord Jesus is anticipating a second coming. Aren't you grateful for that? And when he comes again, he's here to rule and reign, the Bible says, for a thousand years. And with all due reverence and respect, I like to think that he is right now taking applications. For those who will serve as cabinet members, that incredible kingdom. And what he's looking for in the way of resumes is not what you and I are usually looking for. He's looking for how we embrace suffering as a doorway to experiencing Jesus. And there's a sense where, whether we've been to Bible college or not, whether we've served in certain ministry or not, whatever our background, our academic background, our credentials may be, what our, what our job or career has ever looked like, there's a sense where every one of us can qualify on this one. Because this side of heaven, all of us experience suffering. And this reminds us that trials are the preparation for kingdom service. I want to just conclude this evening with these three questions. What trials is God gifting your life with today? Maybe there is something God is already opening the chapter of 2022 in your life with. That was not something you would have, would have scripted. But it's what God in his providence has chosen for you. I want to encourage you tonight that our lives are as rich as the suffering with which God gifts us. 
It has everything to do with our perspective, and Paul got that. I always thought Philippians 3, verse 10 would be a great verse if the last half did not exist. But God used that accident and other circumstances in my life to help me to realize that part of understanding the first two pieces of Philippians 3.10 is also embracing the last key. That I may know the fellowship of your suffering being conformed into the mold of your death. What trials is God gifting your life with? How is God using these trials to deepen your relationship with himself? That's a question that has to be answered every day of our lives. But I hope that whatever God's gifting your life with, or will gift your life with this year, will be something that you'll come to December 31st, 2022, and you'll look back and say, Wow. Before I knew God by the hearing of mine ear. But today it's all different. Now mine eye sees you. How is God increasing your compassion for others through this trial? You realize that God is orchestrating circumstances in your life not primarily for you though yes for you. He's orchestrating them because he's preparing you with the credentials to reach into another life. And the circumstances he's gifting you with are going to open doors that otherwise would have never been opened any other way. I don't care if that suffering has looked like betrayal, sexual abuse of the past, if it has looked like... um, being falsely accused or um, suffering for the name of Christ in some respect in your family or background. What I'm saying is the whole spectrum of suffering that can happen in a life in the hands of God has the potential of being more precious than gold. Remember I said as I opened up this evening, I always wished in counseling I could play God for one day for the life sitting in front of me. Somehow I could just strip that life of everything that is causing pain. And I've come to realize that actually the biggest gift God's gifting that individual with is the very pain we disdain. And if we can find God in that and understand how to step forward in a a way that strengthens my faith, that strengthens their faith, they'll come to the other side realizing, wow, God has enriched my life by suffering. And finally, this question, how is God compensating the losses in your life with double blessing? Perhaps we haven't lived enough life yet to be able to answer that question yet. I will also say, That it's often a process of time for God to answer that question because the answer to that question is not just one. I know for me, I've been amazed to see how God has started to answer the why question many, many ways. 
And it wasn't just one answer that was the solution to that question. God was on a mission to do so many things, and I promise you, while I'm only three years removed, I won't be surprised that I come ten years later and realize there are still purposes God's accomplishing. In that arena of suffering, but so much more other arenas God will choose to gift my life with later. How is God compensating the losses in your life with double blessing? I simply want to encourage us tonight with this reality. Final slide, and that is, Oh, that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Could we all stand to our feet this evening and just bow our heads? I would like to just give us a moment. I don't know how God has worked in your life, but I just wonder if the pianist could actually play the song, God is so good. I'd like to just take a moment as she sits to play that couple verses of that for us to conclude this service by singing that. But before we do, what is God working in your life with tonight? Has God gifted you with a very precious gift for 2022? If he is, will you today have faith enough to trust him? Faith enough to thank him? Faith enough to believe that he is doing something bigger than you can imagine? Faith to believe that he's preparing you for ministry to others that could never be known any other way. And the most important benefit, you discovering Jesus like you've never known him before. Perhaps as this year is opening for you, there's no trial you're presently in. There have been some from the past God's brought you through. But as we prepare for this year, I want to just remind us that God's thoughts toward you are precious. And his thoughts toward you are innumerable. And we can anticipate and embrace this year, not out of fear, but in full confidence that God's leading us forward to discover a deeper relationship 